This is episode 318 of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. Welcome back to the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. It's Anita here. We will be resharing one of our most popular pregnancy and postpartum episodes all about squatting. So Jess and I bust four common myths around squatting, including about alignment and if you're experiencing pelvic floor symptoms, as well as we share four of our most helpful cues that we use with our own clients around squatting. So whether you're pregnant or postpartum, or you work with pregnant or postpartum clients, this episode is for you as well. These tips apply to squatting at any time in life. So we hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, it's Anita here. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to let you know, if you're pregnant and want step-by-step guidance on how to have less pain and pelvic floor symptoms in pregnancy, how to prepare mentally and physically for labor and pushing, including how to minimize tearing, how to have your partner feel confident to support you during birth, and how to navigate a smoother postpartum recovery, my Bump to Birth Method online program is available for you to join. It's three programs in one, covering pregnancy, birth prep, and postpartum recovery, plus you get lifetime access to the program content and bonuses. Bump to Birth Method is my on-demand, self-paced online program where you can learn from the comfort of your own home through video and audio lessons on how to best connect to your pelvic floor and core in pregnancy beyond traditional Kegels, strategies to help common pregnancy pains and pelvic floor symptoms, my top strategies to prepare your mind, body, and pelvic floor for labor, how to best support you and your pelvic floor during pushing, key strategies for your partner to support you during labor, and how to navigate your first six weeks postpartum. Bonuses include expert interviews, core and pelvic floor yoga class, three strength training workouts, hospital and home birth bag lists, meditation tracks for pregnancy, birth, and postpartum recovery. Whether you're preparing for your first or fifth birth, if you're ready to have less pain and pelvic floor symptoms in pregnancy, feel fully prepared mentally and physically for labor and pushing, including how to minimize tearing and how to navigate your first six weeks postpartum recovery, then head to the show notes or go to bumptobirthmethod.com to see what other expecting moms have said about bump to birth and to enroll today. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health, and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of To Birth and Beyond. It's Jesse Mundell. And Anita Lambert. And today we are going to be busting some myths around squatting. Um, so this could be squats you might do with exercise or squats you might do throughout your day, um, specifically during pregnancy and postpartum, because Jess and I do hear a lot about this. We get questions from our own clients. So we thought we would do a specific episode just about squats. I love it. I can't wait for this because there are 
a few specific things that come up with my clients consistently. So yeah, I'm excited to get into this one. All right. So let's go into myth number one. And so when it comes to squatting during exercise, do you only or should you only squat with your feet hip width apart, toes facing forward and weight in your heels? So what do you say, Jess? My gosh, I'm just thinking back to how I used to coach personal training clients to do this. Like this was the way to squat. And uh, it's so uncomfortable (laughs) for most people, including myself. That's just a really difficult position to find much comfort and depth in the squat for a lot of people. And of course, every body is so different in how it is able to access a squat, get into a squat pattern. And I think that that's something that might be news to people might be something that you have not heard before because you have been told that this is the way that you need to be able to squat but it really is just that people's anatomy is different in the pelvis and in the leg bones and the way in which you are able to squat is going to be different than the next person like Anita and I would not squat exactly the same way because of our body's makeup so you don't have to only squat do squats with your feet hip width apart and toes or feet facing straight ahead and the weight in your heels it doesn't have to be like that I love that you brought that up Jess about everyone's anatomy is different and when I talk to clients about this and I show them the pelvis and the hip in the socket and that just even the position of that doesn't necessarily go well with this idea of the hips have to be hip width apart. And this is great. If you're listening to this and you're not driving, (laughs) um, you could try (laughs) this out right now and just test it out. And that's what this episode is going to be about. We're going to be giving you um, tips as well that you can try out and see how it feels with your squat. So often I'll have people do this version or I'll even ask people, Just do a squat for me if you were watching an exercise video, if you were in the gym, if you were doing a class, just do a squat. And this typically what we described is how people will do it. And I'll have them check in, you know, how does this feel in your hips, in your back? Do you feel really free in your movement or do you almost feel like stuck or limited with what you can do? Then, so this is a tip that you can try. I'll have people actually widen their feet. So oftentimes it'll be wider than hip width, even turning their feet out a little bit and then having even weight in the ball of their foot and their heel. So basically centered on their foot. And then I have them squat again. And usually this light bulb uh, kind of look on their face comes up and they're like, that felt way better. So they felt they could get deeper in their squat. If they initially had pain or discomfort or felt tight in their squat, doing it this way, often they won't necessarily have those same symptoms. And so I just find, you know, making those little adjustments can really feel much better doing your squat. So I'll have clients even, you know, use that or come up with their own strategies, even if they're watching a video at home, especially right now with what's 
um, going on, a lot of people are doing exercise at home. So I have them, even if someone on a video was telling them to do it a specific way, find what way squatting feels best for you and use that when you're exercising. Yeah, perfect. And I love what you said about does this movement feel free in your body or do you feel stuck? Because that is usually the feedback that comes from clients when they're trying to squat in this specific stance is that they just feel stuck, like they can't get any lower into the squat. And then especially if we are loading this movement in say strength training, weight training, if we're doing goblet squats or front squats or back squats, it's just going to be a difficult position to also maintain with weight on you. And then again, getting really any degree of depth down into that squat pattern. And like we said off the top too, we are talking, this can be for squatting at any point in life, but we are adding some tips for pregnancy and postpartum. And I do find, especially in pregnancy, if you're trying to do things with your toes always facing forward, I find people often feel even more restricted just because again, those changes that are happening with your body and as your belly grows, it can feel a little bit more restricted or stuck. So give this a try and let us know how that goes. And then we'll go into our second myth. And this is only squat to prepare for birth just before you give birth. So maybe the last few weeks of pregnancy. And so squatting can be great for a lot of reasons. And Jess and I often talk about squats for various reasons. So strength, strength type training with squats, but then also mobility with squats. And so I find starting squats sooner actually quite helpful and use a variety of squats. So yes, use it for strength training and use different squat positions, use body weight, use weights, all there's so many different ways that you can incorporate squats into strength training, but then also mobility, which can be quite helpful to prepare for labor and for birth. And one of the tips I really like is a deep squat that can be great to prepare for birth. So it's called malasana in yoga. And it's, you might, you might be able to picture this as this really deep squat. I find unless you're quite flexible or you're used to doing a lot of yoga before pregnancy, you might find this challenging to get into. And I personally liked using this myself and a lot of clients like is if you use a yoga block and you turn it on its side, and then you go into this deep squat, and you might want to use two yoga blocks, you can rest the bottom of your pelvis on the yoga block. So you're basically supported in this nice deep squat. It can also be great for relaxing your pelvic floor, um, but also for preparing for birth. So that's one of my favorite ones when it comes to preparing for birth. But I think it's important for people to be aware their strength training squats are great and mobility squats are great to um, prepare for birth, but also pregnancy in general and for postpartum. Uh, what do you find with your clients, Jess? Yeah, some of my people have definitely read or been told that doing squats in their workouts or in their daily life isn't a thing that they should be doing, especially this coming up in prenatal strength training. So I think that, yeah, it's just so interesting, this idea that we would stop squatting in our daily life, in our workouts, 
but then just before you go to prepare for birth or towards the end of your pregnancy, then you would start doing the squats again. It just is an interesting idea that has a lot of myths built into it. So uh, yeah, it just, it doesn't need to be this way. And like you said, we can start sooner, get different variations of squatting as mobility work and strength work, and just notice where you need to squat in your daily life, especially if you have perhaps other children at home. Mm-hmm. And this goes actually into our third myth and tip And this is only use a perfect squat to pick up things. So as Jess just mentioned, you know, daily life, whether you're postpartum and you're picking up your baby or other kids or, you know, picking anything up throughout the day. And so this is a myth because this perfect squat, often it goes back to the first one. So this uh, feet hip width apart, toes facing forward, weight in your heels, and then squat to pick something up. And I can't recall the last time I've done this or I've ever seen someone do this to pick something up yet. This is what we're all taught to do. And Jess and I will be the first to say, like, we also used to teach this. Um, This is even what we learned in, you know, for me in physio school is, you know, teaching, you know, using your legs, doing squats to pick things up. But then the more you look also into the research, but also into the reality of day-to-day life, especially in pregnancy and postpartum, a perfect squat is not very realistic. And to be honest, it's not really needed. You know, whether you have hip pain or back pain or knee pain or any issues with that, really this quote-unquote perfect squat isn't typically needed. There are other things you can do that can actually be helpful. And so that is one of the tips is actually practice other movements to pick things up. So you may try a squat and you may try a squat with one foot a bit forward and the other foot a bit back and then the other way, or you may try a lunge to pick something up or more of a deadlift type of movement, or, you know, don't even think about it and see what naturally happens when you go to pick something up. So just to know you don't have to do a perfect squat to pick things up and to practice a variety of squats or a variety of lifting strategies in pregnancy and postpartum. And that's where strength training also comes into play. If you practice different ways of lifting, that's also training you to be able to do that day-to-day in pregnancy and postpartum. Yeah, this is so good. A lot of my clients have had the education or the training to squat with their chest up, flat back, pretend like you're squatting in front of a wall or a door. So you have to stay really upright. And then they get stuck thinking that this is the perfect squat. This is the way it must be done. And then they get into pregnancy and postpartum and parenting and just being in these rigid robotic tight positions all the time. It just doesn't fit with your body and your life. And so, yeah, that's when they start to get way more comfortable practicing all these variations. And it's really funny and good timing because 
one of the workouts that went live to our two pregnancy and beyond members today had the squat variation where one foot is in front of the other and your back foot actually has the heels raised. So you're just on the toes on the back foot and then the front foot is flat, but is slightly more out in front and we're squatting with a dumbbell on the chest and we do a certain amount of reps on one side and then switch legs and do it on the other side. So it's like you said, we're practicing these variations because let's just see how many different ways we can do the thing. Oh, I love that, Jess. And that's, yeah, it's such good training. And also interesting to see what comes up when, if you're used to doing or only doing this quote unquote perfect squat when you're exercising, and then you're asked to do a variation, initially it might feel kind of uncomfortable and not necessarily like physically painful, but almost like mentally uncomfortable to try to squat in a different way because we've been taught to, you know, only do it one way but you'll be surprised with yourself if you give this a go. And I also meant to include in this perfect squat uh, type description is a lot of times people get told, don't let your knees go over your toes. And we want to let you know it is perfectly fine for your knees to go over your toes when you squat. It's very common. And once you try these variety of movements, you'll see your knees will go over your toes often. Yes. Please bust that myth. So let's go into number four, and that is to not squat if you have pelvic floor symptoms. So this includes leaking or pelvic organ prolapse. So Jess, I'm curious, do you have clients come into your coaching program and they've been told this and kind of how do you approach it? Yes, particularly with clients with pelvic organ prolapse, Many of them have, I think, more so read on the internet or maybe from some healthcare providers to not do squats and for sure not do deep squats or don't squat below 90 degrees because that is going to cause too much pressure on the pelvic floor muscles. It's going to be too pressury in their core or their trunk or their pelvic floor. And so just is frustrating because then they already had these fears coming up about doing the movement, doing the squat. So yes, first of all, I think that we just try to educate around it. And like we're doing here, bust that myth that squatting, deep squatting can be a great, effective, comfortable movement for them to do with pelvic floor concerns, with pelvic organ prolapse, and then get them moving into those positions, slowly building their confidence in them. Yeah, I love that. And also validating to your clients what they're feeling and their fears around it, because I've definitely had clients with prolapse who do have this fear around squatting, which I can understand why, like you said, if you've been Googling something, perhaps other professionals have mentioned not to do this. So you might find ways that they incorporate a squat type movement, but perhaps not against gravity initially, maybe find other ways like in quadruped position on hands and knees, going back into a squat type position, but they're not actually upright yet. So I know I've done that with some clients who have been very apprehensive to to squat initially, and then we work our way that way. 
with other clients, and I would agree, I find it most often comes up with pelvic organ prolapse. What I find super helpful is right in the assessment is I'll have them do a squat if that, if they're comfortable doing that, watch how they're doing it. I'll get, I'll have them check in what they're feeling and what awareness they have without changing anything. So you just want to see how they naturally do things, even have them pick some things up off the floor or, you know, similar tasks that they would be doing during the day. Then in tip number five, we're going to go over some cueing you can use, but you want them to see how it feels without changing anything and then have them add cues and see if they can change it in the moment. That will drastically increase their confidence because it's not like they got stronger in five minutes or in the 30 seconds between doing those two different types of reps. They're going to increase their confidence in their body and have this understanding of okay, I was having symptoms, but I know how I can manage them and how I can change them. So I love that, especially day one, because it's going to make such a big difference with your clients, especially if one of their goals is getting back to exercise and they have prolapse, but what's been stopping them is their symptoms. Yeah, that's so good. And what I think is a real game changer for people here too is that talking about the sensation that they might feel say in the squat or in a deep squat and again for those with prolapse and like you said really validating what might be coming up for them and then talking about what the sensation is that they are feeling and if that feels anxiety ridden for them or they feel nervous about the sensation but then talking about what that sensation is and what that sensation means to them and what meaning are they making from the sensation that they might be feeling in their body love that and so let's go into some cues or some tips again that you could use in the moment whether you're having pelvic floor symptoms or not, and this can also apply to pain. So pelvic pain, back pain, hip pain, these strategies could be helpful for you. So one of them is using the breath. And this is often where I'll start because it can be the simplest change. So if you've heard Jess and I talk before a number of times about the core canister, so picturing that deep canister, of your pelvic floor at the bottom, your diaphragm at the top, so your deep breathing muscle, and then you have your TA, your your deepest abdominal muscle, but also your other abdominals around the center. So picturing that being your core canister. What I'll have people do is I'll initially have them, again, do their squats, see how they feel, what are their symptoms. Then the one thing I will change is I'm going to have them breathe in to go down in their squat and breathe out as they stand, or even just go into your squat and I just want you to exhale as you stand. And sometimes that's all they need to feel a change in their pain or pelvic floor, uh, whether they're leaking or with prolapse. So starting with the breath, the exhale, sometimes I'll have people, if that does make a difference, but not a drastic difference, then I'll use the cue from Julie Weeb of blow before you go. So that's where you would do an inhale and then you would start breathing out and then continue breathing out through the whole squatting movement. And for some people, that is what works best. And then 
another option is with pelvic floor cueing. So this, you could do your inhale to go down into your squat again. You could use your exhale at the bottom of the squat, whether it's, you know, picking up a blueberry at your vaginal, opening an anal sphincter, whether it's drawing up a milkshake through a straw, whether it's stopping pee and gas, there are dozens of cues Jess and I use to connect to your pelvic floor. So sometimes we need to cue a bit with the pelvic floor with your breath during the squat, and that could be helpful as well. There's so many different strategies we can use. What are some other ones you use, Jess? I love that. I think it can be so surprising and feel magical for people, even just what you said, starting with the breath and the exhaling on the hard part, or just keep breathing and see how you do, or noticing the tendency of how someone was breathing and then trying the opposite thing. So I love that. I always go back to uh, the weight acronym that we teach to our clients and then our students in the postnatal fitness specialist academy but that is are we using the whole body is there anything we could adjust with the alignment or body position is there anything we could change with the timing of the inhales and exhales and then what about the tension that is happening like you said in the pelvic floor, in the core, in the whole body. So just really, I know we think of squats as being just a lower body exercise and that we're only using our legs, but it, it can just be so much more of a global movement, meaning the whole body and the whole breath and the tension through all the parts of the body. So I just love a couple of cues and ideas from one of our mentors, Anthony Lowe, as well, of uh, matching the tension in your body to the task of the exercise or the movement that you are doing. And then also Anthony's cue of spread the load. So if you feel like you are taking the load only in, say, the quad muscles, so on the front of your body, maybe you can spread some of that load to the muscles in the backs of your legs, the glutes and the hamstrings to help you out too. So yeah, it, usually the breath and the pelvic floor muscle cueing, like you said, Anita, really tends to get most people feeling a lot better. But then we can just look um, to other places in the body really to see if we can use more things to help us out. I love that. And going back to the idea of having them test and retest, this is just so important. Whether you're a health or fitness professional, having your client feel a change right there quickly makes such a difference. And then also have them be part of this. So Jess and I mentioned, you know, doing the exhale, doing the breathing, doing the pelvic floor cueing. And it depends too, like if you're looking for squats for specific exercise reasons, that's one thing. But then if they are thinking of going back to one of the other tips and myths we talk about is lifting, have them tried in multiple ways in different kinds of squats, but then also lunges and a deadlift in all different ways and have them even come up with different ways to lift or different ways to squat. So they feel like they're a part of the process and it allows them to get more in their body to really 
figure out what feels best for them. So just to wrap up, going over those five myths and tips. So number one, you don't need to only squat with your feet hip width apart, toes facing forward, weight in your heels. And number two, if you're wanting to squat to prepare for birth or for postpartum, we really encourage you to start earlier in pregnancy with mobility and strength versions of squatting. Number three, you don't need to only use a perfect squat to pick things up. Use a variety of squat positions as well as other positions like lunges and deadlifts. Number four, so if you've been told don't squat if you have pelvic floor symptoms, no, it actually is possible to squat. And there's many ways and strategies to do this to help with your pelvic floor symptoms. And number five, try out some of the symptoms we mentioned about using your breath pelvic floor cueing, and variations in your squats to help with symptoms. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 